passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the post-wrestling site. A-E-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. I'm John Pollock, alongside Waiting, live from the estate of Ting Manor. Hello, Wei. Ting Manor. Um, uh, how are you doing, John? I'm doing superb. Superb? Okay. I believe it. I can buy it. It's a nice shirt you're wearing. Well, thank you. It is our post-wrestling Marvel tee. Look at that. Designed by Robert Pearson. Where could I get one of those shirts? You know, I believe there are still some shirts available at store.postwrestling.com. Well, go check that out then. And you can look just like way complete. I mean, you're just uh, you're a billboard here. You know, all my shirts pretty much are from store.postwrestling.com. Even my socks, my my boxers. We should start selling those probably. Yeah. Whatever makes you feel comfortable. I think that's that that is the key. Clearly, I mean, you're in a pandemic. You're in these clothes. You want to feel great about yourself. Clearly, we have been able to branch out into apparel. We are not... Wait, have you ever heard this one before? We're not just a wrestling site. We're a lifestyle brand. Ooh. Um, I hadn't heard it in a while. At least not in reference to us, but it does That seemed to be the big thing in the mid-2000s. Everyone was... No one was just one thing. It was, we're a lifestyle brand. A lifestyle. Tap out. It's a yeah, lifestyle. It's, no, we're not about fighting. It's like, that's that's one thing we do. We're... We're a lifestyle brand, bro. Uh, sure. Yeah. Why not? Um, you know, it does make me think like track pant sales, sweatpants, like those sales must be through the roof over the past year. And conversely, I imagine like suit sales being way down, like formal wear. You know, you have no excuse to buy all that. But like lounge wear, I'm sure like that's through the roof now. Still a lot of people working out there. So, I mean, I don't know if the, the suit sales have diminished, but maybe um, they, they could have. Yeah, I, I would definitely I would definitely go with the former, that the, the sweatpants sales, you would think, have probably escalated greatly in 2020. I, I'm guessing a lot of suit tops, but True. pants, like, forget it. You're on Zoom. Oh, yeah. you, can't, you can't see what I'm wearing right now, you know? So it's just like you just have to look good from the waist up. That's all. Well, that's that was always the trick in any kind of a... a Anyone uh, like broadcasting? I mean, you just you just have to wear. You're at a desk. What does it matter? Mm-hmm. You have anything under there? No, exactly. Well, tonight we have uh, lots to discuss. In addition to dynamite, we're going to be taking people's feedback, which you can always leave at forum.postwrestling.com. And 
Let's start off with the news, because I think there's uh, some interesting things to get to tonight. The the big item uh, that was going to be, I guess, expanded upon was the thought on tonight's Dynamite. Not really so much uh, beyond the press release that went out today. And I think we should just uh, go to said press release that AEW sent out today. Wrestling legend Paul White signs long-term deal with AEW. That is right way. After all this time, Captain Insano is all elite. As 2021 shapes up to be the year for AEW's biggest shows yet, today the promotion (laughs) announced that wrestling legend Paul White signed a long-term deal, adding yet another universally regarded name to AEW's uh, roster of stars, legends, and upcoming talent. White will have an extensive role within AEW, and on top of his return to the ring, he will serve as a commentator on AEW's newest show, AEW Dark Elevation. Complimenting Dark on Tuesdays, Dark Elevation will air on Mondays at 7 Eastern on AEW's YouTube channel and will showcase AEW's established and rising stars, as well as the top independent wrestlers in the industry competing against each other in the ring in pursuit of wins. It goes on. uh, We have quotes here from Paul White and Tony Khan and ends it. Furthermore, Paul enters AEW as a licensed wrestler, and he's very much looking forward to studying our talent firsthand from the commentary desk in preparation for his return to the ring. So Paul White has joined uh, AEW. I guess everyone's immediate question is if uh, TNT can uh, sub-license to AEW and he can be Go Big Show. Yeah, I feel like they'll have a, a bit of trouble um, getting that one. Do you think um, WWE has let Big Nasty lapse his original WWE moniker, which lasted all of two nasty. weeks? Big yeah, Nasty. I don't know if he'll be going after that one either. Um, you imagine his theme song had a bit big nasty. You know, would it it have been that much worse than the big show? I mean, the big show is hardly a good name. Yeah, but it's, it's the doctrine that you can literally be named anything and fans will just get used to you being called that. Like, honestly, triple H. No, it's ridiculous. Look, it's H, H, H. It's crazy. Uh, so, I mean, Paul White, big, sh- whatever you want to call him, like I'm sure, you know, some form of giant, like it's, everybody knows who the guy is. Uh, people enough, enough people know him by name, but, you know, you talk about this forbidden door. Um, and uh, I certainly did not expect this one. AEW really continuing to make a lot of like unique moves this year. Um, big Show, of course, you know, somebody who pretty much like felt like he was retired by this point. And if not retired, at least, you know, somebody who seemed like he would be a lifer in that company. What is Especially it? with all of his out-of-the-ring work. I mean, he was a big ambassador for the company involved in their initiatives with the Special Olympics. Uh, we had the Netflix series that ultimately didn't get renewed, but that was a season, something that you know, WWE was involved with. I was with you. Like, it seemed like Paul White was a guy that was probably just going to be uh, connected to WWE, but... You know, as as it came out, uh, you know, his deal recently came up and AEW saw an opening to bring in Paul White. Now, the man is 49 years old and I think it, we, we will see, like, I, I believe, like, Paul White, one thing you can say is that after that guy came back from, uh, you know, all of his uh, injuries and such, got himself into tremendous shape. And I, I don't doubt that he is one of those many talents that, I think has a bit of a chip on their shoulder to come out and, you know, probably retire on their terms. I don't know how long of an in-ring run we're going to be looking at, 
for Paul White. And I'm certain on the AEW side, like this, this is a performer that has had a pretty, pretty good career, but I think was also a character that was just destroyed by, by booking that I, I think there's some of that in Tony Khan of taking these reclamation projects and putting them into a, a different light for fans to say, look how they mishandled this performer and look what I saw in him. But I go back to what we talked about in December, and that was bringing in Sting, and we saw that that initial buzz, and what I'd said at the time was that there will come a time when numbers subside, and do they get into this game of suddenly, several months later, you're looking at trying going back to the well and bringing in another big name that's going to get that that curiosity initially. And I just don't want to see this company like overload themselves with these names. There will come a time in four or five months when you're looking and if say another WWE legend becomes available, is that so enticing? So I I think it's important to keep these roles very exclusive. Like Sting, I'm fine with. There is that one like older legend that can can wrestle occasionally. And now you're bringing in a second one with with that kind of mindset. So I I always kind of want to see how things... uh, how things are introduced, what kind of angle they have in store for him, and also what kind of job he's going to do on commentary, because that is not a role that he was exposed to all that often in WWE and how that's going to translate for him. Uh, Calling matches of talent you would think that he is going to have to learn about if you're talking about the vast independent wrestlers that are out there coming in for one-shots. Well, sure, yeah. I I would say this they're still pretty well beneath the threshold of I think you know having too many former WWE guys. Um, I I also feel like there must be some other motivation beyond just having maybe his presence being there in front of the camera for AEW. Um, certainly we know that roster is incredibly young. They have a number of big guys that I think could learn a whole lot from uh, you know his level of experience. I also feel like in recent years, we've seen him, Paul White, take a huge leap in terms of his, uh, you know, acting ability, promo ability in front of the microphone that I think AEW will make far better use of than WWE has. I do, too. I I think he's going to surprise people that have just kind of they've just become accustomed to this version of Big Show that we've like, listen, he has been on your TV for uh, 25 26 years at this point and has been largely in that similar role in WWE for 22 of those years. I I do feel like he is going to surprise some people with his versatility outside of a WWE environment. He's also I think uh somebody who is potentially a tre- you know will be a tremendous ambassador in the mainstream for yep. the company. Uh you know we've seen already I think there are attempts to try to get Cody out there to get sh- people like Shaq coming in here to try to boost AEW's name value. They're at the stage right now where they're not so much in need of getting the hardcore fan base. They need to get the your parents, you know, people who uh you know your your like your friends who stopped watching wrestling but might remember somebody like a big show, people who watch NBA but don't necessarily watch wrestling. Big show is a type of name who can make those TV appearances, get on talk shows and hopefully promote your show to a different roster. Um, ultimately, I I have a lot of faith in, in Tony Khan's booking that, you know, somebody like Big Show is not going to just come in and overshadow, uh, hopefully, you know, a Lance Archer or a Brian Cage to take those title shots and, you know, take those main events away from him. I do ultimately hope that he is there to improve the, the name value of somebody like a Kenny Omega or a Lance Archer or even a Ray Phoenix in the future. 
Um, it's a really interesting and completely like unpredictable move for AEW, but I'm curious to see what they do. And I think that's something that they want you to be in the habit of is is being able to do things that are going to be a, be a jolt to its fan base that's going to, you know, if there's any kind of a lull in your fandom that they can do something like this that's going to immediately grab you. And I think the timing of it was very smart that this is going to I, I thought it was a very smart move not to do some taped interview with Paul White and insert it tonight. Put all the eyes on next week. Next week is a big show. It's your go home show for the pay-per-view. And you've got, I think everyone, the fact that you have Shaq and Big Show on the same show together, that will lead to people's curiosity right there. Um, do all this next week. You've got the initial buzz this week. I think people tuned in tonight seeing what what more will they share. And really all you got tonight was the date of this new AEW Dark Elevation show and his broadcast partner will be Tony Schiavone. So that's what was revealed tonight. Now on this on the subject of AEW Dark Elevation, this will be their third weekly show that they're introducing. It will be starting Monday nights, uh, March the 16th, I believe is the date that they announced. And it will be airing Monday nights. So in the slot that they've been airing these women's tournament matches in, that will be their slot Mondays on YouTube. I believe it is the 15th. 15th, okay. Yeah, so this is not, as far as we know, the third hour that Tony Khan is referring to. No, Tony Khan has said that is still coming. I mean, it it sounds like this is just, you know, an extended version of AEW Dark, but placed on a different night. That's kind of what it sounds like. They haven't really differentiated how this is different from Dark. It's going to feature, you know, talent that are regular stars, rising stars, and will have independent talent. And I know that Tony Khan has said in in public before the idea of, like, potentially um, the idea of, like, splitting Dark into two, which... I don't know if that's what this is. It's kind of what it sounds like it is. The fact that they're calling it AEW Dark suggests that it'll probably have the same caliber of, of talent, if not maybe even to a maybe lower degree than what you might see. Like, in order to get to AEW Dark, you now have to make it through AEW Dark Elevation, <laughs> and then someday you'll make it onto Dynamite. Maybe they'll be on a raised platform or something. It's going to be like above... above Cobo Hall. Perfect. That would be the natural place to eventually take AEW Dark Evolution with or Elevation with Paul White. Yes. yes. In a monster truck. Oh, of course you have to. Every match is a monster truck match. So it's yeah, as I mentioned, like Tony Khan stated today that the 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 additional hour of AEW on on Turner uh, Turner Networks is still coming and I guess this is like this is obviously what the game is. It is producing content that you hope that you will find people that are going to spend money on your content. And that seems to be the strategy here, whether this is taking, there have been complaints about the length of dark and maybe this alleviates some of that, that dark goes from being a two plus hour show most weeks, which I don't have the biggest issue with it's, they have not hit you over the head that this is this must see show. And I think it is a cool outlet to put a lot of talent that you maybe have never gotten to see before on uh on on a broadcast and you can take it from a two plus hour show to maybe you know two 60 minute shows on back-to-back nights the fact that it's also monday at seven o'clock clearly obviously trying to take advantage of that raw audience as well that's used to watching wrestling at a certain time um from the sounds of it it sounds like AEW is you know doing all a lot of these matches bringing a lot of talent in anyway um this might just be a better use of you know splitting that dark dark wrestling dark dark match footage over the course of two nights instead of just one um 
I, you know, I'm curious to see how the big show will sound as a commentator. I'm also curious to see, as always, if they actually do any sort of real storylines in, 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 a, in a show like this, or if it's just going to be match, match, match. Uh, Mike Johnson at PW Insider reported that White's deal with WWE expired last month and earlier this week had actually quietly moved to the alumni section of the website. And the last time we saw him on TV was that Legends Night where uh, I guess his send-off was getting uh, verbally berated by Randy Orton, among the others. And yes, joined WWE back in February of 1999. That's an incredibly long stretch uh, with, with that company. And you would have to think that Paul White is looking like to probably spend the rest of his at least active in-ring days with AEW. I cannot imagine him signing another contract after this that entails any in-ring work. Given, well, you know, given what his body has been through, what like surgeries he has had to come back from, that this is, I'm, I'm sure he's looking at this as the do uh, your, your send-off matches and then have a longer role with AEW outside of the ring. It's hard for me to see the WWE putting him in any sort of, you know, in-ring capacity that um, would be extended, uh, you know, because they have so many other people. He's not as valuable to the WWE as he might be to an AEW. So this would probably be the best chance that he has of one last run. And what a way to go out as the WrestleMania main event dark match headliner that aired 24 hours later. Yeah, I'm sure that was weird. Um did he That's, not have a match after that? Like, did he not? He did this. He did the stuff with Orton. They might have done a match on on uh, on TV, which would have been his uh, official send off. Obviously, sure, very, he technically very memorable. Main event, technically main evented Mania last. He year. technically main evented WrestleMania. Okay, he did the. Yeah, he did several matches on TV after WrestleMania. He did a handicap match against Andrade and Angel Garza. Then he did a big. A six-man tag, and the final match was an unsanctioned match with Randy Orton on July 20th. That would have been his last official WWE match. So there you All go. Right. Um, moving on to more story. Any, anything else on the on the uh, the Paul White front? I think we wait to see what he says next week. Yeah, that'll be uh, an interesting part of uh, of of next week's programming. So another story today, and this kind of. Um, Rap, goes back to Monday night, what we had been discussing, uh, coming out of the, the weekend with, with Progress Wrestling. Today, uh, Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful reported that uh, Marty Skrull was backstage at a recent set of tapings for NJPW Strong in California. Uh, following that report, Emily Pratt at Fanbyte uh, reported uh, through a source that Skrull was at the tapings on January the 22nd and even did an angle uh, with Rocky Romero that has yet to air. Uh, of course, ROH and Marty Skrull, they parted ways earlier this year. This followed uh, an investigation after Skrull had been named during the Speaking Out movement and uh, for, with the allegations that uh, Skrull was facing. And again, what I said on Monday is that, you know, the, the story about uh, Paul Robinson and now with Marty Skrull, again, these are going to be stories that are going to be continuing to happen. And I think anyone looking at the people named Marty Skrull would have been at the top of that list of people that, I mean, you're, there was no way that Marty Skrull was not going to have interest at some point. The question was when, and what is the response going to be like? And, you know, you're at a stage in the industry. That's a very, um, it's a very difficult one to gauge fan interest beyond just what 
people are going to say online. Like this is not a case of having to sell tickets and whether that's going to be uh, a turnoff to people if they're going to reject this. If uh, a company feels that we bring him in and we just battle through the inevitable backlash we're going to receive, but people are eventually just going to be accepting of it. Um, again, it's it's very difficult when we don't have any kind of kind of oversight here that comes down with some kind of ruling, with some kind of decision. It's it's left to the promoter of when when is it okay to use these people and what kind of voice do we give to the fan base? This really comes down to fans and how they're going to react to this. And I, I go back again to like the Paul Robinson thing and I think it very much was that outcry that at the very least led to progress addressing things on Monday. And that was completely like online driven by people that demanded answers and then got them on Monday. Certainly. Yeah. It's, um, you know, fans have the ability to speak with their uh, social media and to speak with their wallets. Now to me, it's like, this is a move that I, I kind of saw coming, you know, of all the options in the U S I feel Technically, if you consider New Japan a U.S. territory at this point, um, he was most likely to be there, already has that prior association with him. Um, I also feel like New Japan has kind of established um, sort of a reputation for not worrying so much about controversies such as these in the past. Um, and, you know, if it was New Japan proper in, the, in, in Japan, I think he would already be there. But because it's the pandemic, he can't fly over, he has to work apparently these strong tapings um and i think it it'll be really interesting to see new japan us's response because if it was just in japan i don't think they would care that much but because this is now sort of a us-based company um they're i think they're subjected to a lot more american uh fan base reaction and um maybe they'll make a move as a result maybe they'll change things maybe they won't so i i guess now it is um you know, based now that this is this is public, that this is known, um, I guess it just comes down to if New Japan has any cold feet about it, if they go ahead and run this angle as is, what their response is. That will be the next aspect of this story and where things go. But I would say, like, of everybody named, you know, Marty Skrull was going to be the one that um, was probably going to be among the first people that a promotion reaches out to and is, and it was just a question of who, who would be the one that would be willing to try this first. And it's going to come down based on what the response is like, because I think if it's, if it's one where it's, it's not worth it to them, do, do they, do they push the brakes on this? I guess that will be the next thing to watch. Raw ratings from Monday night. Uh, this was following the Elimination Chamber show. They did a million eight hundred and ninety thousand viewers. Uh, they were number one on cable. They were up slightly four percent in viewership, even in the demo with a 0.57. Uh, in Canada, they did two hundred forty-six thousand five hundred viewers. That was also going against a Toronto Maple Leafs game. And one thing that's that's interesting, looking at the numbers this year for Raw, when it comes to overall viewership, you have one really strong number, and that was Legends Night that did over 2.1 million viewers. You had one really bad number, which was 1.7 million viewers on February 8th. The rest of the shows this year, which is uh, six episodes, all fall in the range of 1.8 million viewers, um, you know, and and change. So that's it's like Raw has kind of found this consistency of overall viewership. 
They don't really spike that high. They don't really fall that low outside of those two outliers I cited. Um, with, with the demo, I mean, you get a bit more fluctuation. Again, you throw out Legends Night, which was kind of the anomaly uh, this year. And then you have kind of a high this year of a 0.60 and a low of a 0.49. And I think what we're seeing with Raw is that you are getting into more patterns. And it is the same patterns we've seen before. It comes down to what is the interest in the show. And for this week, what we learned was that you know, the audience that tuned in, they stayed pretty consistent for two hours. Like there was very little change from hour one to hour two. And then you had your usual third hour drop. And you're always going to get these these third hour declines that are going to range in different levels. Uh, this week, the biggest loss was young males. They were down 20% in, in the third hour. Uh, w- women 18 to 49 fell 15% in the third hour. So that's that's where we are at Raw. And uh, Brandon Thurston actually did this really interesting uh, analysis, uh, kind of looking at whether the the post pay per view bump is, is real or not, and looking it's more so a factor of like your big pay per views, not so much uh, the the smaller ones. And this would be an indicator of that. Like they were again in viewers and the demo, they were largely flat from last week, and that's coming off an event that wasn't just a pay per view, but also had uh, a notable ending to it with the Miz winning the title. So. Going into WrestleMania season, I'm, I think that's kind of where you look at the booking of this. We talked about on Monday is that it seems that for so many performers, it's wide open where these programs are going. It's not a year where it's all these different programs that you can kind of forecast where everything's peaking and the storytelling has been building. Because I would think like your television audience, you would think that as things are starting to simmer with these feuds that have been in play for several weeks or even months that the television viewership would start to peak. You're starting a lot of these programs from scratch beyond your biggest ones that even like a rain's edge, it's only starting now. So I think that's, you're trading in like the surprise factor of where is all this going to land versus paying off a lot of stories over the next two months to peak for the first, second week of April. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sort of a, of the opinion that, you know, the, the people that are left watching are the people that will always watch. And at this point, it's just about how much of the I think we've been at the baseline for a long, long time. And it's just, you know, the a baseline that's been dwindling and maybe has somewhat stopped during this period. I think the game now becomes how much more of the other hardcore fans that have lapsed at this point that you can get back for a WrestleMania season. I I really don't know. I really don't know. Is Edge Roman, you know, an enticing enough program? I don't. I certainly can't really say that about Drew and Bobby Lashley, uh, especially if, you know, with the Miz attached to it all. And beyond that, like, what are your big programs that might get your casuals or your laps fans to come back? Well, this year it's Bad Bunny. That's that's their tool to try and grab either new fans, yeah. lapsed fans. I think more so new and younger fans. That's I, the I whole just, I, I really, it's really difficult for me to see, you know, as somebody who's, I don't know, 15, 16, however old a Bad Bunny fan might be, who is used to consuming Bad Bunny on Spotify, deciding Mondays, I'm going to carve out three hours to watch this wrestling show where he might appear for five minutes. I don't see how that translates. I think that same fan might, you know, give WrestleMania a chance on Peacock if it's just $5. Subscribe to this thing, you get The Office, and you get to check out Bad Bunny doing this thing. But three hours on Raw every Monday, that's a really tough ask for anybody who's not a hardcore fan. Well, that's going to be 
the test over the next month is to see, and, and I do think it'll be sizable. Um, and that is NBC's level of promotion for the launch on Peacock and then secondarily WrestleMania. Cause I think you could get like a solid month of promotion. It's in NBC's interest. You are locked in long-term with this company. It's your streaming platform that you are promoting and what kind of synergy you see of WWE talent that appear on NBC's biggest promotional outlets to really, to really sell you on uh, Peacock and the WWE product. So who's going on SNL next? Our truth. Oh, I'm surprised. I'm so surprised. Like somebody in the cast didn't win that title. Maybe, um, maybe the fiend and Alexa bliss do a sketch on SNL. Wow. Uh, would it be the cold open or the ending? Live from New York. And he vomits. (laughs) Wow. So. That'd be great. Yeah, it's going to be a big two months for the WWE in terms of this this promotional push for both Peacock and WrestleMania. Uh, Up at postwrestling.com, I've got my news update today, including... The history of head-to-head wrestling in Canada way. I got to write about the new VR today. Oh, man. That, so, uh, anytime you can mention the new VR as part of your day, uh, it's a good day. So uh, great job with that, John. And great job again with your Biggie interview that's up on the site right now, talking about Our Heroes Rock. What's the update on that Kickstarter? They, they've, so the goal uh, for the campaign is 75000 US. They've topped 40000 already. In t- it launched Monday morning. That's incredible. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, the post-wrestling bump is real. It's it's all solely attributed to that, I'm sure. Uh, in all seriousness, I, I really enjoyed that interview quite a lot with, uh, with Big E. If you want to check out any of that, uh, covered a lot of subjects uh, that we've talked about o- over the past year and really getting into his head about uh, the impact that not just George Floyd, but a lot of stories, like he said last summer, changed his life in terms of his outlook on a lot of things and... What I really like about this project is the idea of taking that frustration, taking that anger and and doing something, trying to just whether it's big or small, it's I think when we look at a lot of these, we we're very good at getting angry and we can see stuff that is wrong. And then it's the next step is always the toughest one. It's what do we do about this? What is the next step? And that's where I think people can get frustrated because we revert back and then something happens again. And again, it's the frustration. It's the anger. It's finding big and small things to do that can hopefully make some kind of a, of a change. And I, it looks like this thing will likely get funded. And I think it's a really cool project that they are promoting. Uh, And that's also involving uh, Andreas Hale, who we have had on the show in the past. Uh, but yes, uh, you can go catch up on all of the news at postwrestling.com. And yeah, the story just looks at the the history of wrestling going head-to-head in Canada, which happened far less than you would think just at a glance. There are some instances of it, but even when Raw and Impact went head-to-head in 2010, that's when Raw was on this 15-minute delay because the score did not air it live. It would have to start 15 minutes past the hour. So we didn't even have like a true head-to-head, even though both programs were running in Canada. And we only had two, really, eventually three sports stations. Not like now when we have like 15, you know, sports stations, but there weren't really too many options for head-to-head battles like this to take place. Well, think about the the power that TSN had and also like the limited options you speak of. The fact that TSN got Raw and Nitro. 
at oh, their yeah. peaks. Like that there, was there was no sports net. I mean, I guess the score might have been barely. It was headline mm-hmm. sports, but I mean, it was much, much, much smaller at, mm-hmm. at that time. I mean, they were just like they were highlights. It was far from what the score would become and and now Sportsnet 360 under Rogers ownership but yeah TSN had Raw and Nitro at the peaks of those shows but never did we get Nitro uh live here in this country so anyway that is uh that's the history of uh wrestling on TV in Canada and tonight we had and TSN2 a, a lot of that stuff but before that I want to talk about some of the things on the site right oh now. that's right that's right a lot of stuff on the site this week, and uh, I want to start off with talking a bit about our Rocky Balboa review from yesterday on the Post Wrestling Cafe. Uh, we are closing up the Rocky Balboa in-ring career with our review of the sixth Rocky film, and in John Pollock's opinion, perhaps the greatest Rocky film ever made. Uh, we have an in-depth discussion with our friend Ed Boxler, who is a film critic and a movie maker himself, about this movie. I forgot how great this film was. Uh, it is excellent. Um, is it the best Rocky film? I'll let you decide. But we give our rankings as well. We talk a whole lot about uh, everything that went into this. And uh, you can enjoy that right now, along with all of our Rocky reviews at postwrestlingcafe.com. Later, Friday, we have Rewind a Smackdown, uh, live for all patrons at 10.15 p.m. Eastern, as always. This weekend, John and I will have a special New Japan Pro Wrestling Castle Attack post-show covering those shows happening for New Japan this weekend. Oh, do you know when those shows are airing? It's awesome. When? Okay, the Saturday show is, that's like a super early morning start. It's like 4 a.m., I think. But the Mm -hmm. Sunday show airs midnight Eastern our time Saturday night. Oh, wow. I'm watching that one live. You're not watching SNL this week. Without bad no, I, w- I won't be watching SNL. I will be watching. Okay. I'm going to watch Castle Attack live on Saturday night. So, yeah, we'll have a show Sunday going through both shows. In addition to that, WH Park and I will be joined by a very special guest for Rewind Division. Brent Chittenden is joining us. If you thought we got deep with the comics talk Whoa. this past week, wait till I'm, I'm so looking forward to hearing these two together. Two of the most knowledgeable minds about comic books uh, that I know. Uh, Brent, a, a, one of the you know, smartest people when it comes to this, this type of stuff. So I look forward to the discussion. I'm just going to sit back and let them go. That's exciting. Can I, can I make a confession now at the, at the mercy of my Twitter mentions I'm going to see tomorrow? Yes, please. I had no idea, not an inkling, not a hint that Elizabeth Olsen (laughs) is the, is the younger sister of the Olsen toy. Dude blew my mind into a million pieces today. You, you I had the only, no clue. No you clue. Re- you shouldn't feel that bad, John. And and before your your Twitter mentions get blown up, like it. In fact, this was like a a Twitter trend. Like I saw in my Twitter trends, like a part of the news feature, people freaking out about Liz- Elizabeth Olsen finding out about Elizabeth Olsen's relationship to Mary Kate and Ashley. I mean, I will say usually those people I think are uh, a bit younger than than you or I, but. Still, it's an easy mistake to make. What are the Olsen twins up to now? Like, they, they have been completely leapfrogged here. Oh, without a doubt. In terms of acting, in terms of Hollywood movie career, for sure. I think Elizabeth like, Olsen is fantastic. She is great. I think they're fashion designers or something. I don't know. All right. Well, they're not Avengers, that's for sure. So, or yeah, will they? Oh. Oh, the other twins show up. That's going to be a mind fuck. Damn. I think they should just tie Full House into MCU canon somehow. 
Uncle Jesse comes back. Yeah, okay, he yeah. he uh, analyzes Pietro's hair and tries to keeps... to break Lori Laughlin out of uh, jail. Yeah, um, the twins turn into Nikki and Alex. Uh, yeah, this could be the full on adjustment. Uh, Damn. From <laughs> who needs the mutants when you've got the Tanners and Lorimar Television coming your way? We're folding the like all the multiverse universes in together anyway. Come on, it's all yeah. one family eventually. Those are the crossovers I want to see. Yep. So we're closing off February very strong here at the Post Wrestling Cafe. So you can join that at postwrestlingcafe.com. Also, our friends at Up Next have Deep Impact with Davey and uh, Andrew talking about Impact last night. Shot in the Dark with John Cena released this afternoon. They'll have Up Next. They'll have BD Elite tomorrow on Thursday on their Twitch channel. And our friends in the British Wrestling Experience have a late. Andrew is very busy this week. He'll also be joining Martin with the Wrestling Adventure as they're joined by... Mike Murray. I just remembered. I thought it was Neil. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mike Murray is another show. Our man, Neil. You just up. scared Mike right now. He probably dropped his coffee. He's like, oh, crap. Did I agree to come you know, on the show tomorrow? It's, it, they sound awfully similar if you've ever heard them in person. Uh, yeah. Our man, Neil, joins the British Wrestling uh, Adventure. Or sorry, man. The Wrestling Adventure on the British Wrestling Experience feed. So you can yeah. listen to that Thursday. Is it, isn't that right, Neil? Are you going to be on the show? No way. I understand <laughs> that you you happen to think that I was Mike Murray, and I'm not. Mike Murray on... is on some show. Like, we have a lot of shows, everybody. I apologize. There's a lot out there, but a lot for people to take in. They love it. Okay. Uh, postwrestling.com. Schedule's up there. Tons of great stuff. Just more, more, more. That's what we've got for you. So look out for everything. Dynamite tonight. The first Canadian head-to-head battle. We had John Moxley and Ryan Nemeth starting things off. And Nemeth does a promo. He is going for the starring role tonight of the winner. He was not. Spoiler. Moxley annihilated him with cross faces. Nemeth got in a drop kick. And then when he went for a neck breaker, Moxley turned it into a standing guillotine to pretty much put Nemeth out on his feet and then hit this prone body with the paradigm shift and win in two minutes and 43 seconds. Simple, good, effective match. And I kind of like the setup to the paradigm shift with the guillotine. I, I really don't mind these, you know, squash matches on the show at all. I'd much rather you give me a full show full of squash matches than a bunch of 50-50 matches with two guys uh, that you aren't willing to have either lose, uh, resulting in a bunch of DQ stupid finishes. This had the purpose of basically setting Moxley up for this big promo at the end. I, you know, it's been several weeks now that we've seen Ryan Namath, and he takes a beating pretty well. I thought he made Moxley look pretty good, so I think there's a good chance they'll sign him. Moxley sits down in the ring. He said it, he would do whatever it takes to get his title back, and he knows what he has to do. The images that come to mind for an explosive barbed wire death match include fire, blood, torture, agony, and vintage Japanese wrestling magazines. And Moxie says, I'm an addict for this. I like living so close to the flame, laying my soul bare in this ring each night. And I understand this might be a trap by Omega and his crew. Well, there's a long line of guys that have tried to put me out in the past Everyone that is stuck by him will know when it's all said and done, I gave everything I had. And if it all comes to an end at Revolution, well, that'll be a hell of a way to go out. This was an awesome promo from John Moxley. He's 
I, I think he gets a, a lot of credit for his promos, but I don't think it's enough. I think this guy is among the best promos in the industry for his character, for this role. He is just the perfect voice um, for his character. It's uh, you can. T- it is just so clear that this is a guy that puts a lot of thought into this, and he has his his motivations in his verbiage, and it just all clicks. I have no doubt he puts a lot of thought into it, but the way it comes across makes it feel like it's so natural. And I could buy if he told me that it, you know, much of this was improvised because the man just seems to be like, seems to live this gimmick. You know, I mean, it really does feel like it's an extension of who he truly is. And I think they're, they're very lucky that they have a guy in him who just embodies this like tough guy, badass baby face so well. You can look over on the other shows and, you know, in in wrestling's history, I think so often people try to fabricate a character like this and it just comes across really forced. I think Drew McIntyre is a really talented guy, very good promo, but in that system, like, he often does, you know, feel very scripted. Not to say, like, and, and like, Moxley doesn't at all. Not at all. It's And I'm not even saying one's better than the other. I think they're both incredibly effective. But if I had to pick one that I felt felt more genuine, it's certainly Moxley. Um, the man is, like, on top of the wrestling world right now. He's, you know, in the midst of a really busy week. Match against Kenta on Friday, which they did not plug on this show. No Kenta plug. That's right. They didn't. Yeah, he's got uh, a very big week, including uh, he's going to be named the uh, the wrestler of the year for the Observer on Friday. That's that's huge. Yeah, he's he's in between Bloodsport main events and of course this Kenny Omega AEW main event coming up. So the man is just such a great leading man, and it's so clear from like him doing all of this stuff that his passion for the art of pro wrestling is very genuine because it has to be for him to put his body through as much as he does. So I I just hope he stays healthy through it all. Excalibur explains that the ropes will be wrapped in barbed wire with landmines inside the ring. That's what that's what that match um is. Yeah. And then they ran a video, a history of Moxie and Omega going all the way back to Moxie's debut at Double or Nothing 2019 and kind of how they have kept this story, you know, at different points and crossroads like these two have always found their way back to each other and this is being built up for the pay-per-view like this is this is the end. We we saw a lot more video packages than usual on this edition of Dynamite. I mean, it was a taped edition of Dynamite, but um, they were spending a lot more of their on-air real estate on you know promoting using video. So this, this felt to- this felt as much like a go home show as I'm sure next week's will. Like this felt like mm-hmm. the pay per view was this weekend. They were pushing the pay per view very hard, and what we said last week, they were hitting you hard. This is on Sunday, 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 Sunday. Do you think you know because I, I I've seen like what is it uh, some uh, like some discussion about video packages taking away viewers. Do you think at this point they will see a significant drop because they aired video packages? I think that there's times that you have to just bite the bullet and risk that there there's a pay-per-view and that is the focus. So I think if you know, you AEW, I think is also, I think you're also at a part where uh, some, some tune out, is not going to debilitate them by any stretch. And I think there's times like when you're pushing the pay-per-view, you have to, you know, give that up because you're, you are trying to sell to your fans that are watching that are 
on the fence about buying this pay-per-view that they're, you're really trying to do the hard sell with. So I think these last two weeks, you you forfeit um, that prior thinking that might dictate outside of pay-per-view time. It's, it's It seems to be like why they have this Shaq match positioned the way that they do to get as many eyeballs on, on their actual go-home show as possible. Phoenix and Archer, this was an interview from last week where Archer said he's going to kick Phoenix's ass. Phoenix speaks and it's translated that Archer was the worst partner he ever had and they fought. Um, this is a brutal setup to what was going to be a great match in the main event. Really hokey setup for a brawl. Like, just like local indie type of like, you said what about me? Oh, I'm going to get you. Like that type of thing. But I do like the fact that they use this uh, Alex uh, Alex Abrahantes. Abrahantes here to allow Phoenix to speak in Spanish. I think, you know, for somebody like Penta or anybody that might they might bring in who doesn't really speak fluent English, like he's perfect. Uh, or like a translator who is actually doing in the interview is just the perfect way to do that. Um, it seems so simple that I, I'm surprised it hasn't been done before. The young bucks arrive with Mama and Papa Buck. And they walk up to a production truck that's got Matt and Nick's photos on the back. Papa Buck is so happy. He wants to take a picture with his sons in front of these photos. They take a picture. Papa Buck just says, I'm so proud of you. I was like, this, this countdown to doom, I thought was so good. I was like, you knew, you knew from the second he put his hands on Jericho last week, you knew all week Papa Buck is fucked. And they were going to make you wait, but you knew this was coming. And it was, I, I thought Papa Buck was the star of this show to me, maybe outside of Phoenix. He was the best part of this show. He was great. As soon as you see just a segment that just ends with a happy ending, you know it's not going to last. Oh, not at, not at all. The Varsity Blondes versus Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. Taz is on commentary. Starks trips over Pillman, flying to the floor. Cage and power bombs Pillman into the post. They promote that tickets to the pay-per-view, the pay-per-view that's happening in 11 days, go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. Now, it's not a giant number that they're selling, but still, well, like they're, they're putting tickets on sale uh, nine days before the pay-per-view. Could that be because they, they don't know what, you know what things might change last minute? I, I don't know what's going to change. I mean, the show's going to happen. They've got, a, I guess... I meant, I meant restrictions and all that, but in Florida, that's not likely to change all that much. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's like, hey, Governor DeSantis, we're thinking of running uh, 80,000? Cool! I dare you to do 90. Uh, so tickets are on sale Friday at 10. So they're selling tickets for Wednesday and tickets for Sunday. And, uh, you know, it's it's a lot. I I wonder what their response is going to be like for this pay-per-view this one is like is this enough I mean, how to incent yeah just you know? It, no in terms of like going out to, like i have to imagine like it's pretty much a pretty loyal group that are going to a lot of these shows They'll would you out. could you see people traveling like over state lines to go travel to this to this sh- pay-per-view i can yeah i mean um what's the ticket number what's the ticket limit that they have Something like give or take a th- like a, th- a thousand is you know roughly. Yeah, like they'll have no problem moving that. And if you know uh, somebody wanted to, if somebody called in and managed to get tickets, I'm sure they'll be mil- willing to make the drive at this point. 
Um, the, yeah. Garrison gets the tag. He just runs wild. He's just going all over the place, hit a tope to cage, and then starts hoist. It gets hoisted up for Pillman to hit a missile drop kick off the shoulders, but then cage returns, drill claw, pinning Brian Pillman Jr. I thought this was a good match. I'm, you know, each week I've become a bigger fan of the Varsity Blondes. They don't have the flashiest or the prettiest offense, but I think their energy is so strong it's really there as just this kind of young baby-faced team they're just a team that makes you want to cheer for them and against a great heel team like starks and cage uh i thought they complemented everybody really well i think starks and cage complement each other really well both in terms of charisma and in-ring style so i'd love to see that team like pursue the tag titles eventually yeah i think garrison like what he's got is like that incredible energy that makes up for a lot of like inexperience that you can see but it's like he's just wild so i think that that how and the long hair i mean like a key all young talent should have long hair it's it's very beneficial Mm -hmm. the lights go dark and we get another classic darby black and white video i thought we were going back to like episode one of wandavision here oh yes so there's a man with gloves behind the wheel of a truck, presumably Sting, that's driving the truck with the body bag attached to it. So somewhere in all of this, the truck was, I guess, uh, overtaken by Sting, and we revealed Darby inside the body bag. And with that, Sting walks out into the arena, dragging the body bag, which we're all to presume has Darby inside. He reveals inside the body bag is hook leading to taz's response what the hell kind of shit you could say that on tnt right yeah we haven't had shit in a while you know what because during the week i i just think about how these guys should all be kind of unique from one another that's my homework every week i feel very strongly now taz should be the only person that is allowed to swear on AEW. Oh, he said fuck, too. Well, oh, wow. I mean, the guy was in a body bag. Oh, it's his son. I mean, yeah, you would pro- I'd probably say a lot worse if it was my son. <laughs> what the fuck kind of shit? Then yeah. Sting points to the rafters, and there is Darby, who rappels down, carrying a skateboard, and lands in the ring, and... He's hooked up to like the, the the carabiner. So instead of like having to stop and unhook it, he's got the skateboard to attack Cage and Starks with. And this leads to Sting hitting a scorpion death drop and Taz watches on with Hook. I still feel really uneasy about seeing any sort of zip lining inside a wrestling arena. I, I do just... too. And it was, you know, WCW did continue it with, with Sting after Owen. But I think it's just it's it's just more about taste at this point and like conjuring up memories than than I'm sure it's every like you could see like they had place. like the the, yeah. the carabiner like oh, they yeah. had it safely uh, done, but yeah. it's it's the it's what it draws you back to instantly yeah. as a wrestling fan that I I'm not comfortable with it and I wonder how many people it kind of just takes the air out of whatever scene you're trying to to achieve here. But I remember that was the response people had the first time Sting did it after. And Sting did it at Kemper Arena after, oh, afterward. Uh, and yeah. they just got this back not, to doing it. 
this is not that. And like, you know, granted, like I, I feel like Owen Hart is still very fresh on our minds, uh, whether or not that's because of, of dark side or, or what, but it's still very fresh and it's not going to be the same for everybody watching TNT. So a lot of people might not have cared, but I'm just speaking of my own personal experience and I guess yours as well, John. Oh, I but, think any, anyone that was around or not, I, I would say anyone that's, that's gone back. You're right. Like dark side just came out a year ago on it that, you're instantly taken back to that, and you always will be of any kind of repelling stunt in wrestling. But in terms of danger, I mean, I am reminded that this is Darby Allen, who probably does far worse off camera each weekend by himself anyway. Um, you know, Sting just, I, I enjoyed this week. It was a good follow-up to last week's tag. Oh, th- th- this, they had like a real point to this whole segment. Like this was, I think you could say like the most, uh, you know, last week had the shock factor of the power bomb, but this one, like this was just a great segment to set up this street fight. Mm-hmm. Big return from Darby. Sting gets his revenge. So they really do drive home the fact that you are going to see Sting fully cleared wrestling at this pay-per-view. Shivani had a sit-down with Miro, Kip Sabian, and Penelope Ford, who said the best day of their life was ruined, the wedding, by Charles and Orange Cassidy. For whatever reason, this prevented them from going on their honeymoon. And Miro says he is going to destroy Orange Cassidy, who he called, and I quote, a walking Xanax. And when it came to Charles, he says, Charles is a nice person. He did his chores, and I would invite him back to... Stay under my wing. Just don't follow Orange. And midway through, Tony is handed a note, and it's a multiple choice question of whether they will meet them, Taylor, Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy at Revolution. Yes, no, maybe. Signed with hugs and kisses. Miro calls this childish. Charles is not a child. Do not associate with Orange Cassidy. I will teach you how to be a man. And with that, this man proceeded to put this note, scrunch it up, and place into his mouth. No, that's what men do. Miro teaching Chuck how to be a man with five weeks of vignettes, that I would be more interested in than what we got out of the Butler two-week phase. I don't know if it'd be that much better, honestly, John. I mean, so this feud is continuing. We know it's going to end up with some sort of Orange Cassidy match, uh, Chuck Taylor match, of course. But man, the story seems to be continuing in the same sort of, I guess, semi-comedic vein that it just is just not working at all. Like, uh, very nice not, of you to say semi semi-comedic. There's certainly not enough to change my mind about any of it here. Uh, I try to be open-minded, you know, with what they have coming up. But I'm sure the match will be great. I just, I just hope they get to it sooner than later because I don't know if I can take more of these stories. Well, they're doing the match at the pay-per-view. They did announce that. Yeah, but then you have the Orange Cassidy one afterwards as well. Mm -hmm. So there's still some vignettes, I'm sure. Brandon Cutler versus Jake Hager. They mentioned Hager is back to preparing for MMA. And Hager hit him with a bunch of wheelbarrow suplexes. And then Cutler gets on offense, sends Hager to the floor, hit a suicide dive, a Topecon hero. This is uh, Brandon Cutler getting everything in possible. He is then cut off, hit with a Hager bomb, and then Hager hits him with the goddamn stiffest lariat you have ever seen and just sent this guy into the state of Alaska and pinned him in 313. It was a rare walkout entrance for Cutler on Dynamite, and uh, he came here to take a big clothesline, and he did that. I thought he did a good job. 
Santana and Ortiz and Wardlow came in to attack Cutler, prompting the Young Bucks to come out and clear the ring. Hager avoided super kicks. And then Matt got onto the mic, Matt Jackson, to call out Jericho and MJF. Jericho's music starts, but then they're on the screen and they're standing in front of the production truck where they took the photo. And they reveal bloody Papa Buck as the Young Bucks run backstage and... Jericho and MJF take Papa Buck and wipe his blood onto both faces of Matt and Nick. Just the best visual. And Jericho tells him, come here and pick up your trash. And the two do the Young Bucks pose. As the Young Bucks get there too late. And then Matt sprints after them in the car that takes off. And this leads to Papa Buck taken out on a stretcher. I thought this angle was great. <laughs> I enjoyed it too. Um, I, I can't really say it was like whoa, like I'm just, like it's not really. I I kind of looked at this the same as I would a BTE angle, and that like it never at any point scared me. It was just more like, oh, this is hilarious. It's the Young Bucks' dad doused in like fake you're, blood. You're a sick man. I mean, it just it did not. It, the cartoonish selling, perhaps from Papa Buck, like it was very cartoonish. Oh, oh come God. on. I was right. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but I thought it was more funny than I would say scary. But it it it, it made its point. Where was Mama Buck at this point? Maybe she was in catering. Maybe wow. she was filming a bit. Must be. Maybe she. Be maybe she was food. going after um the championship, the uh, BTE championship. You know what? That would be a great excuse. Uh, Nick, this was noteworthy. Nick left in the stretcher with the Good Brothers while Matt stayed back. Interesting. Ross said, I am appalled and I'm furious. And Shivani said, Jericho and MJF, they aren't worth a damn. You attack a, a man's parents? I mean, that's that's enough for a pay-per-view for sure. The Bucks need to do a, like an impassioned promo next week. Matt Jackson, though, cannot do angry. That's not a good emotion for Matt Jackson. Like, the screaming Matt Jackson, he needs to be kind of more subdued and calculated because, like, like even the yelling, calling out Jericho, like, it just very much feels like I'm cutting a pro wrestling promo delivery. Or, like, you know, I'm fake angry. Like, like again, for BTE. Um, yeah, well, we'll see how he does. He's I like the angle, though. I thought it was a good, simple angle. He's going to have to dig into those emotions in a convincing way at some point. So if if it's not after your dad was, you know, bloodied and beaten up, I don't know when you would get pissed off. Maybe Matt Jackson is going to be so pissed next week and he's going to rely on, on someone, a, n- a new mentor in the locker room. And an elder statesman can tell him, you know, Matt, I once had to deal with a man by the name of the big boss man. You know what he did to my father? He took him for a ride in a casket, and I had to run after the casket. So you know what? I persevered, and you can too, Matt. Thanks, Paul. There's a lot of fun they could have with uh, the Big Show's past life and plenty of references. The Big Show on BTE, I think, would be... Big uh, Show on BTE would be very funny. Yes. He could go review the Young Bucks. He's like, you guys kind of turned a lot of times during that whole FTR feud, didn't you? You guys need to be a little more consistent. Yeah. 
The the best tweet I got today was someone saying that Big Show can come out of alternate tunnels each week. Oh, <laughs> and he, he's we at least right. we at least sure. can identify now. So I, I hope honestly, I hope if like if this is a Tony Khan, like I am going to show you how to properly book the Big Show. I hope he never turns. Like that has to be part of the Big Show character. He never turns in AEW once. I mean, well, first of all, the, his career is going to have to be long enough for him to make that point. I, I suppose, like, him not turning for a whole year would already be making that point. But, um, sure. Yeah. We had a video for next week's uh, tag match with Shaquille O'Neal and Jade Cargill with uh, Cody and Red Velvet. This was pretty much a road to segment with comments from Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur. Got shots of Shaq. Cheering ringside. Tony and Excalibur are picking Cody and Velvet, not Jim Ross. He's going with Shaq and Jade due to size. JR ain't giving Cody a shot here. Gotta be played devil's advocate. Let's be realistic here. (laughs) He's a big guy. I thought Velvet's interview was pretty strong. Maybe the strongest of them all because we haven't really had anything from Cody at all. Like Cody's not really cut a strong promo at all. I thought we were going to get something more this week. I mean, this video package was it. I I imagine this is an extended or this was a clip of an extended road to piece that they'll probably put out maybe on Monday to push it Mm -hmm. with the promos. But you're right. Yeah, there was no presence of Cody on tonight's show beyond this. And maybe they feel that, you know, the goal should be getting Cody out there over the next week and promoting this elsewhere. And, you know, you've got your wrestling audience and now it's trying to get your outside promotion. But anyway, Isaiah Cassidy came out with Matt Hardy and TH2 to take on Hangman Page. Uh, I I thought this was like a pretty, I think Hangman Page is maybe the most consistent like television wrestler going today. His matches are just, they always click. They always work. This guy always looks like a goddamn superstar by the end of it. Um, They also mentioned here Omega and Brandon Cutler have an AEW games announcement tomorrow night. Uh, We saw Hangman Page's arm get worked over for most of the match here. Uh, Page's buckshot Larry gets stopped when Hardy sends him into the post, and that leads to John Silver and Alex Reynolds coming out and leading to Hardy's ejection by Aubrey Edwards. Interesting tonight, especially given the fact that they were going up against wrestling competition every single time, and there were like four examples of this, that they would throw to picture-in-picture. TSN did not utilize picture-in-picture. which They They never do for the tape shows. Oh, is that the is that the case? Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I had never noticed that pattern before. I just see like yeah, because the live ones they do. Okay. Mm-hmm. I had thought it was more consistent. Not, I'm not sure why. Maybe it's just a technical thing, you know. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I thought for tonight you it would be one you would want to go out of your way to be able to utilize. Do you think this like this war is actually something that TSN is 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 invested in? Like that they care so much about like Sportsnet potentially drawing a number of viewers away from them. Mm, I, I don't know if it's their number one priority, but I think it's like it's another wrestling program and it's something that they are invested in. I mean, it's like AEW does fine for the station. I would think it's it, it's it's probably not the the top priority uh, at TSN, but I would think it's at least on their radar. Yeah, I would think so. Page snaps Cassidy's arm on the top rope. He's selling on the floor. Cassidy then stops a buckshot and is instead hit with a rolling elbow using the injured arm. He catches Cassidy with a DVD and a brain buster, allowing Jim Ross to note that Killer Carl Cox taught that move to Dick Murdoch. Cassidy comes back with a poison Rana, goes to the arm bar on the injured arm, but Excalibur here 
criticizing his technique. He's like, oh, he's not familiar with this. His legs are all over the place. Page gets off the turnbuckle. The arm gets snapped on the top rope. And then Cassidy goes for a springboard off the middle rope. He's caught and hit with the dead eye. And Page wins. I thought, in particular, Page was uh, great in this match. And this was like a lengthy singles match for Isaiah Cassidy. Really good match, I thought. I, uh, very good chemistry between these two. And um, I totally agree. I think Isaiah Ca- You know, like, uh, again, no Mark Quinn, just like last week. So uh, we got to see a... Pretty strong Isaiah Cassidy singles match. And uh, I totally agree with your points about Paige. He, he is so ready for that top role that he's just kind of making, they're just kind of making the audience beg for it at this point, which I think is, is the right reaction you want. I think from the time they made that match with Jericho and Paige for All Out, I think they knew long-term Paige is this guy. And I know people were upset that Paige lost that match. It was 100% the right call. Mm-hmm. It was very necessary to have Jericho establish that title and Paige being this long-term project. And, I mean, he feels like he's right on the cusp of that whenever they are ready to pull that trigger. He needed to organically, I think, connect with the audience. And he hadn't yet by that point against Jericho. And he certainly has now. And I think they stumbled into that tag team with Omega and they just wrote it out. And that turned out to be a great thing for him. I think working Mm -hmm. all those tag matches with all those guys and with Omega, I think that helped him greatly. Matt Hardy returns and he tells Paige, you chose the dark order over big money, Matt. So in turn, I am going to injure every member of the dark order. And he has Alan Angels, who he throws off the stage through the table at ringside And all I could think is that if they were going to start this angle where Matt Hardy is going to take them out one by one, was there not a way that he could have been responsible for Anna Jay and her shoulder injury? You know, that's a BT angle that maybe they can explain in in retrospect somehow. But man, that would be very dastardly to take poor Anna Jay out of a wrestling tournament, you know, banana peel type of thing. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it would be heinous. Marvez, <laughs> dude, this was right out of The Undertaker and Paul Bearer designing the coffin for Kamala as they come into Kenny Omega's uh, woodshed and they are constructing the Moxley extermination chamber. And he's like, he's like welding the thing. And he just cut a promo on Marvez that he gets all the credit for ending John Moxley. It seems like every week they're just coming up with what environment can we put Kenny Omega in? He was in a classroom last week. Uh, this week he's going to be designing the extermination chamber. Um, it's he's a very interesting man. I, I he's got to be at a racetrack next week, like racing cars or something. Right, like a big, right. like, a big like NASCAR track. So so they're promising some sort of like weird contraption that Kenny's going to be bringing into this match? Yeah, that's what they're teasing here. What do like they call this, it? Like a Moxley chamber? A Moxley extermination chamber. So what would this be? Like a like a like an Iron Maiden type of type of deal? Do you remember Stefan Urkel? Of course. Maybe this is what happens. He's going to throw him into this and it's going to have the opposite effect. It's going to take him and he's going to come out with a cowboy hat as Uncle Dean. Wow. He's going to be back to 2015 Dean Ambrose. Like, no, no, you've exterminated John Moxley. Bring back John Moxley. Oh, yeah. 
For sure. Gas mask and all. Oh, God. That would be hilarious. That's a BTE segment. Uh, they plugged the Bleacher Report special Sunday night, 7 p.m. We've got Thunder Rosa against Riho and Ryo Mizunami against Yuka Sakazaki. And then a six-woman tag with Hikaru Shida, Mei Suruga, and Rin Katakura versus Emi Sakura, Veni, and Maki Ito. I watched the uh, the matches on, on Monday. Um, mm-hmm. All I will say, I, I did not end up catching last week, but I, this week's I did. There is absolutely no way you could argue that those matches in Japan could have aired on TNT. Like, there is no way. It was, no. I, I don't care, male, female. There is no way you could have put that setting on TNT. You're talking about the production, not the in-ring quality. Oh, yeah, yeah, the the production. not The the, the matches were actually very good on, on this mm-hmm. week's show. I was impressed with just what they could get out of Aja Kong, who you can see at 50, like, it's just very limited these days of what they could get out of her and... You know, by the end, it was like they did the DQ finish, but I didn't feel it was, you know, like a, a cheap way out either. Like they gave you enough. But I, I thought both the Japanese matches were very good. Um, Britt Baker had the, you know, impromptu match with uh, Matty Renkowski, who is, you know, it was it was like a shorter match. I, I wouldn't say it was like a- anything great. Um, I was not a fan of that, that, it was, that match. Like it just felt like it was, you know, Matty Renkowski put into uh, the last minute thing. Yeah, 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 big big spot for her. But uh, I I agree with you. Like this is a fine. Like I think it's a great bonus to have. I love this concept of this international women's tournament and having a whole side of the bracket completely take place in Japan. Uh, to me, like this is exactly what you want. You want you know a, a reason for people to tune in online. You're presenting it in very authentic fashion from that that setting, uh, complete with Japanese announcements and all. And then you take the winner of that side and put him into the proper dailies place environment to present to a wider audience. You're the average... perfect person to call it. Like Excalibur oh, is just so such good. a value to them to be able yes. to just put him into place. He did a Taz this week, but they were like mm-hmm. Excalibur is just born to call this stuff. I think Big Show should be calling it the next <laughs> year. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, I, I, listen, I, I can't even, like, it could be great. Like, joke. It could be amazing. Because I have no yeah. idea. Like, I have no recall of it. Like, beyond where he's probably sat in for a match on Raw, like, I have no idea how he's going to be. I'm sure he's going to uh, d- do his best, but it's, like, I, I have no expectation. Like, I have no idea what to expect. I think he's going to be great. Uh, Hardy, uh, sorry, that was the Hardy segment. Uh, Nyla Rose versus Britt Baker. This was the semifinal. The winner will take on the winner of Thunder Rosa and Riho. Uh, Baker gets frustrated early on, teases leaving, but then she comes back because it is a tournament match. Uh, Rose teases a cannonball senton into the corner the same way that she injured Baker's knee last year, and Rebel pulls Baker to safety away from the cannonball. Rebel got involved all throughout the match. She took a urinagi onto the edge of the apron, Baker gets the glove and is stopped with a choke slam, and then Rebel is hit with the cannonball in the corner, so she takes it. Rose gets knocked into an exposed buckle after Baker had taken off the turnbuckle pad earlier on. She's setting up for the lockjaw and the struggle for these lockjaw attempts. Rose would slam her free, then she'd use strikes to get free, and it was like Baker just could not uh, lock on the lockjaw. And we got into several near falls, and this turned into, I thought, a hell of a match. I think Britt Baker, we have seen her grow significantly uh, into, like, a really seasoned performer. Um, there, It ends where Nyla Rose nails this right hook and hits the beast bomb, but she's 
injured and can't pin her right away, leading to Baker kicking out. And she gets up. Rose ducks a super kick, catches her with another beast bomb, and wins the match. Uh, this uh, was definitely uh, exceeded expectations. This turned into a very good match. Yeah, I agree. I, I was women have to... really turned it up in this tournament. Like we got that great match last week. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's like you, you have seen like this tournament. I think bring out the best in this division. I was surprised to learn that this was their first singles match, considering, you know, like they're probably two of the more high profile personalities in the entire division throughout their history. But um, I think because both characters are so well defined, this immediately made it feel like a bigger match in this tournament. And I did feel like I think the rebel stuff was too much at times, like hurling in the ring and the reference just kind of allowing it, that kind of took me out of it. But I thought the rest of it was really good. I especially loved Rose's struggle in that lockjaw. It was kind of cool to see like Nyla Rose play a baby face in a scenario like this. Then they had a feature on Jurassic Express against FTR and Tully Blanchard next week. Jungle Boy said that FTR cheated to beat them in the summer. And then Marco Stunt says they cut off the horns of Luchasaurus. Those horns brought back the beast. And they don't know what they've unleashed after they kidnapped Marco. FTR says that Tully is the engine that made the horsemen run. They had old still shots of Tully Blanchard and state that he has not appeared in a national wrestling ring since 1989. That is like ignoring a lot of matches this guy's had since 1989. Not to say this guy's had like a full-time schedule, but he hasn't been completely inactive in those 32 years uh, either. I think maybe maybe what they meant was meant TV on national TV, I think, was what they were trying to say. Was Heroes um, of Wrestling not on national TV? It was a pay-per-view. Oh. But he's done ECW. He did a WCW pay-per-view in there. I mean, he's done NWA stuff. I mean, he's, you know, he's had his, his, his matches in this uh, this time. But I guess on national TV, that is the out here. Uh, that they are trying to explain. So that's ne- that's next week, along with Shaq and Jade Cargill versus Cody and Red Velvet, Matt Hardy, Private Party, and TH2 against uh, Dark Order, Stu Grayson, Evil Uno, John Silver, Alex Reynolds, and Five. Max Caster versus Ten in equ- in a qualifier for the Face of the Revolution ladder match, or should I say, a clarifier match? <laughs> yes. The finals of the women's tournament. And Chris Jericho and MJF will have a press conference with the wrestling media. I'd love to know who the wrestling media will be that'll show up. Probably PW, PW Illustrated or like, is that what, who they had last time? They did this on for, for Brandon Cutler and uh, uh, what's his name? They, they did something on TV too, didn't they? Like when they what? were doing the Battle of the Losing Streaks uh, with Peter Avalon yeah. and Brandon Cutler, they did the press conference with the wrestling media. Okay. And uh, next week, Paul White will speak. Um, and this is where they plug. March 15th, AEW Dark Elevation with Paul White and Tony Schiavone. And Schiavone will be reunited with his pal Paul White from their WCW days. The reunion union we've all been waiting for. Yeah. The reunion you didn't know was going to be happening. It's Paul White. <laughs> um, also for the pay-per-view, they have added a casino tag team battle royale. With Butcher and the Blade, Silver and Reynolds, Uno and Grayson, Santana and Ortiz, Private Party, Top Flight, and Bear Country. 
Bear Country, who we kind of saw get a bit of a call up, I suppose, like in that battle royal last time, but haven't really seen on Dynamite since. So, yeah, this, is, this might be something for them. And Kip and Miro versus Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor for the pay per view. Main event: Lance Archer, Ray Phoenix. Winner is added to the ladder match at Revolution, and early on, Phoenix hits this somersault dive through the ropes, clearing the guardrail and landing on his feet. This was amazing. Jake yanks Phoenix off the top, so he falls down on the stage. Jake turns around to focus on Archer, and Phoenix runs across the stage, leaps over Jake's head with a somersault off the stage, over the steps, onto Lance Archer. Great looking spot. Very cool. Man, there was like that uh, that Evil Knievel stunt of, uh, what was it called, that... Uh, Jump the shark? No, 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 not jump he the shark. The, he jumped the snake here. What was it? it was called? It was like Snake River Canyon or something like that. Oh, okay. This was this was a more impressive jump of a snake. Yes, I really I really tried hard for that one. I I crashed and burned <laughs> on that one. Archer's chopping him, sends him over the rail. After the break, uh, Phoenix is hit with a big inside out lariat on the edge of the apron. Shivani's going nuts. He's calling this a match of the year contender. There's a cannonball to Phoenix into the rail, and then he avoids the blackout. Archer does the rope walk moonsault. Then Phoenix does his own rope walk into a kick. This thing looked amazing. Then they did an overhead shot of the replay, which looked even better. He does the backwards rolling cutter. They tease a choke slam off the top. Phoenix blocks one man Spanish fly, and then Archer grabs at the mask, pounces Phoenix, buckle bomb, choke slam, Phoenix kicks, kicks out. The announcers are worried. They're like, time's about to expire. We're about to go. I was, I was thinking, oh my God, we're, we're a year and a half into Dynamite and we have never gotten a Tony Schiavone. We've got to go. I thought this was going to happen, but we didn't get it because right then on cue, Archer hits the blackout and he pins Phoenix and he qualifies, joining Cody, Penta, and Scorpio Sky. I thought Phoenix was going to be winning this one, but no, they're putting Archer, the big base for the ladder match. I thought that there's, I mean, until they explained that if it went to a draw, both men would be disqualified. I thought this would have been a great way to get both of them in there by having them T- go. Tony Khan said today or, or yesterday when he was on the Observer show, he said this will not be one of those cases where we sneak both guys in. He said one is going in and one will be out. So they did make it clear they were going to have one enter. Well, I would have let that go for this one because I think both men would have been. Awesome I wanted in both in too. That's what I said last week. I thought Man. for sure these two would make perfect sense for it. What What's interesting is we have four people in. We're doing. They announced Max Caster and ten for next week, but they have not announced how the sixth will qualify. Interesting. Okay, maybe so we, maybe the battle. Well, I guess you can't do the battle royal because it's a tag team tag battle team. royal. Yeah, uh, this match was just awesome. This you was know, incredible. Both- both of these two have really stood out lately in these multi-man matches and that same specialness that they both have carried over in the singles match. Um, Archer just works so well as a high flying baby face ever since he made that turn. It's just like, uh, you know, his heel run was not bad, but I mean, he's next level right now as a lead baby face. So I hope they continue. And Phoenix just like week after week continues to prove that he should be the top star in this company at this point. I mean, the the promo thing i guess is something that they have to kind of uh, you know uh, deal with but there's clearly an appetite for him to main event a lot more shows in terms of uh in-ring skill level there's really nobody's on this roster that works like him so 
uh, he looked like one of the best in the world tonight. I thought so too. I mean, the string of dynamite main events have been through the roof this year. It's unbelievable when you look at the main events every week on Dynamite that more often than not are these absolute killers. This has been an incredible stretch. Um, like it's a high bar now to of what headlines a Dynamite uh, show. So yeah, phenomenal match that these two had. Um, a pretty busy edition of Dynamite. Like there was a lot. As I said, this felt like a go-home show in, in some ways, which I don't think was a bad thing. Like it's – they're putting a big push on this pay-per-view to make Revolution feel like a – can't miss show for everyone watching with the novelty of the main event stipulation with just from top to bottom, like they're trying to make this as wide, wide a variety of a card as possible. You had some, you know, a great main event, but like in terms of uh, storytelling, I think you had a great promo from Moxley. You had a big angle with the Bucks and Jericho and MJF and Papa Buck. And then a number of like, you know, a, a big, big angle, I guess, with Sting and Darby compared to some of the others. But I, I think like the addition of several of these video packages really kind of helped break up the show and really wrap these stories up in a nice way, especially in the case of like Shaq and Cody, which I I, I think that build has been pretty disappointing. A video like what we saw today at least kind of gave you some sense of like what the actual story is. So I, I enjoyed Dynamite tonight. Yeah, I I think you look at what kind of publicity they get over the next week, but in terms of the actual show, I, I agree. I don't. It doesn't feel like a big match to me. Um, the the Shaq involvement. It seems like the idea of telling someone, "Hey, Shaq is wrestling next week." That is what they are relying on because it's it's not like this deep rooted story. It's not like this giant feud that's coming to a peak. It just feels like, "Hey, Shaq's going to wrestle." I think if anything, it's also. It's almost like Paul White being on the show. It's like the tease of an angle that you wanted. Something is going to happen. And that's sort of what they are selling you on. But uh, we'll see what happens over the next week. But just in terms of the television promotion, um, it's not like they really hit it out of the park tonight promoting this this big celebrity match for next week. I mean, you and I are very much, I would say, in the bubble. And I can definitely say the buzz isn't that strong within the bubble. Now, they're not really targeting the bubble they're targeting the people outside of it so i'd be curious to know you know your friends who simply watch basketball or watch whatever shaquille o'neal does are they aware of this happening you know is this even remotely uh, on their radar to the point that you might even consider it a big deal uh i don't know and the, the ratings will really tell the story by next thursday i think they'll do a good number next week but it's um yeah i'm i'm very curious I, i'm just curious to see what kind of um how 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 much of a full court press TNT puts on this match. Like it's to their benefit. It would seem like this is your perfect you know, synergy of a, your, your big program on Wednesday with your top franchise in, 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 you know, your, one of your key NBA figures. All right, let's go to some feedback tonight. The show gets an 8.67 from the forum. Nick kicks things off. I hadn't been fully sold on Sting and AEW until tonight. The vignette really suited him, and it felt big for him to finally dish out some of that signature offense. Darby will also have a highlight reel moment for life with the zip line. Otherwise, the purpose of this episode felt like it was meant to set the table for next week's go-home show and pay-per-view. I heard it's happening Sunday, March 7th, but the action was still very solid. With AEW announcing Dark Elevation and the reports regarding NXT Evolve, couldn't over-saturation of wrestling content become a concern? I think we're long past that. It's like Way that's <laughs> that's that's the game. And uh, like companies when you're talking about what is potentially on the table if you can sell these shows, it's worth the risk. 
Yeah. Um, I, you know, like you see the WWE playbook and it's, there's never enough content. There's so much content out there that like, man, I don't even know if John Cena is covering every single thing that's available on the WWE network, but like AEW, I'm sure, you know, at this point they're taping a whole lot. And it, to me, I think this is just a way of them breaking dark up in, in order to make both shows a bit more kind of um, appetizing and who knows what sort of like future plans they might have to try to sell one of those brands. Um, I, I would say this would not be the, the thing that would cause concern. I think the concern would have been had a while back. Let's go to uh, Luxurious Flava from Exeter UK who says, short and sweet between mocks and little Ziggy. I felt little Ziggy. I felt and believed every word Mox said in his promo. I could listen to Moxley talk about how much he loves what he does forever and ever. Uh, the Jade Shack segments were well produced and does well to showcase what little of a feud there is in a concise manner. I find it interesting that it includes JR choosing Shack and Jade to win. Archer versus Phoenix was a decent main event. I thought Shivani's proclamation of match of the year contender in the opening minutes was bold. There's something not quite clicking with these 290 pounders like Cage and Archer when they face the smaller guys. Maybe I've been spoiled watching Dijakovic and Co. working a lot smoother with smaller talent over time. 7.5, Rogan-esque, ooh, commentary solos from Shivani out of 10. With Cena being on TBS's Total Wipeout, would TNT ever be able to promote the show during Dynamite? They run ads during breaks, but I'd be interested if WWE's trademark of Cena for wrestling purposes would supersede TNT's right to promote their own programming. I, I don't see there would be any restriction to promote your own show. Yeah, I'm like Cena. I mean, it's he's guy's name. It's his name. He is now a figure that exists outside of just the WWE. So it to me, it'd be similar to like promoting Fast and the Furious, you know, which he which he will be in. Kate writes, this is one of the many times I feel like Dynamite has really built a built to a crescendo with the main event. I hadn't thought of Archer versus Phoenix as a dream match, but they are just fantastic together, both as partners and opponents. After weeks of increasingly cringy sting appearances, I thought they upped the ante nicely with the powerbomb last week, and tonight was the best use of the icon since his debut. Knowing that he can take a hit and deliver some moves makes me more interested to see what they'll do in the street fight. My only issue with the show is the result of the Nyla Rose-Britt Baker match. I thought the match itself was very good, but taking Britt out of the equation dampens my enthusiasm for the final at Revolution. We've already seen Sheeta beat both Nyla and Thunder Rosa, and I don't feel like there's a really strong story that can be built between Sheeta and Riho, Ryo Mizunami, or Yuka Sakazaki, since they've all been presented as babyface personalities within AEW and or the tournament. I have confidence that the matches will be excellent, but I'm not sure about the narrative. That aside, though, the show is a lot of fun. Any night when I'm angry to hear that the main event is starting because it means the show is almost over has to be good. So who do we have left in this thing? It's we have Rio against Thunder Rosa. That's happening Sunday. The winner of that faces Nyla Rose. And then on the other side of the bracket, it is Ryu Mizunami versus Yuka, Yuka Sakazaki. Sakazaki. Right. Okay. And so the winner of that is a pair appearing on next week's dynamite to take on the American bracket winner. What's your prediction? I think Yuka Sakazaki faces, I'm guessing, Nyla Rose. I I feel it would be Nyla Rose, too. Because um, it seems like uh, Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker might still be a thing. Um, so, Yuka Sakazaki. And I don't, do you think Yuka Sakazaki will be going up against Kakaru Shida? Can you see that? Or... Well, they go back to Nyla Rose, which is a match that is pretty tired, I would say, at this point. 
I think it could be Yuka Sakazaki. I mean, if they make a big deal out of somebody coming over from Japan, um, having her beat Nyla Rose and then going on to face Hikaru Shida, and she doesn't have to lose the belt. But still, like, you have a big story, and I think Yuka Sakazaki is somebody that they probably wanted to push ever since she made her first appearance in AEW Dynamite. So I definitely wouldn't count her out. I, I, I would lean towards Sakazaki. It's like it's, it's, it's more fresh. Um, I, I'd like to see Rio like, involved there too. I just I don't necessarily – I mean that is probably like your, your underdog story is Rio going against Nyla Rose. And I think maybe continuing that with the monster of Di- Nyla Rose going to the final with Sakazaki. And then Sakazaki finally beats the giant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see what happens on Sunday. Let's go to Chris finally from Ottawa who says the inner circle young bucks feud is the best use of a dopey looking wrestling dad since Mr. Miz. The natural conclusion must be the bucks calling in their family heavies. Uncle Buck. Oh God. Peter Buck from REM. <laughs> Stop. If there's Chris. one. If there's one thing AEW needs. It's more celebrities in their top programs. Speaking of which, you'll probably have already spoken to this at length, but could we finally see the conclusion of the Paul White Shaq thread? Surely Omega and Ibushi took inspiration from the patience that these two men have shown in order to slowly build this matchup. I can't wait to see the big nasty cost Shaq the upcoming match and the final chapter of the saga. Um, yeah, something tells me they won't be revisiting that so much. Uh, a bunch of other stuff happened, which leaves me with this final thought. Every episode of Dynamite I watch, I always seem to have fun. I can't say that about a lot of entertainment these days, let alone pro wrestling. Well, then it is, is it really entertainment? Deeper question. You know, it's, it, just because something tries to be entertaining, does that qualify as entertainment? I don't know. That is true. Well, yeah. thank you for all of the feedback. To uh... Hey, thank you to Jake for buying a Marvel's t-shirt in the middle of us doing one of these shows. Uh, right after we mentioned it, John. That's so. Listen, shout outs to Jake. We weren't. We weren't. We might have been born at night, but not last night. Okay, this is a. We are savvy marketers at our at our core. It's a lifestyle, John. It's a, it's a lifestyle, bro. The post lifestyle. <laughs> yes. The post lifestyle. Well, way this is where we uh, we bid adieu. Uh, I hope you have a, a wonderful night, a wonderful Thursday. What are you going to do tomorrow? Yeah, uh, Thursday, you know what? Um, let me think. Maybe watch a movie. Anything I got, I, I go, I'm going to the dentist, actually. That's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. Wow. I'm doing that in the morning. I've actually got to go to the dentist in two weeks as well. Hey, you know what I'm doing? I'm going to be joining the Discord at 3 o'clock. Are you going to meditate? For the post-wrestling group meditation open discussion with Jordan Goodman and Lord of the Cord Phil Chair Talk. I can't believe oh, that, that sounds fun. This, this is 3 o'clock. Eastern. 3 o'clock Eastern time on Thursday in the post-wrestling Discord. Postwrestling.com slash Discord. Uh, Phil and, and Jordan will be talking all about meditation, I suppose what it's done for their lives, a bit of an introduction to it, and I believe Jordan is even going to lead a group meditation as well. So it's something that well, uh, is a really interesting kind of, you know, thread that we've kind of begun with the wellness policy here, getting to be able to talk about topics like that. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to it, so... Hope you join them three o'clock tomorrow, postwrestling.com slash discord. And the last thing on Monday, Way and I are going to be announcing uh, a cool idea that we have uh, come up with that we are going to be uh, hosting. 
So Monday, we will make that announcement. Oh, nice. Tune in. I'm going to leave you on that cliffhanger. Okay, thanks to everyone that joined us live. Uh, We are here for our double-double ice cap and espresso patrons. 15 minutes after Raw, 15 minutes after Dynamite, and all patrons can watch Rewind to SmackDown Live. That is when we return Friday night, 10, 15 Eastern. Always a fun show on Fridays when we open up the phone lines and hear from everybody. So that is when we will chat with you next. Have a wonderful Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all of the days of the week. As we say, goodbye.